Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes from Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Greg Gillies. Now, I'm going to be honest here with you for a second. This is a bit of a tricky topic for me to discuss. And as you listen in, I think you might be able to figure out why. When I created the Go All In podcast, I did it to tell other people's stories of success, of triumph and overcoming the odds and doing whatever it takes to succeed. And every now and then I come across a guest and a topic that really makes me think. And sometimes it even shines a spotlight and it highlights a shortcoming in my life. And that can be hard. When you shine a spotlight on something that shows you as a little bit vulnerable, it can be difficult to confront. At least for me, that's how I feel about this particular topic. And it's definitely something that I need to work on. And I think for regular listeners that know me and and know this podcast, I'll be able to hear that in my voice and certainly in this conversation as well. And if you're a first time listener, this is going to be a real treat for you. Our guest, Greg, he has a title in his LinkedIn profile as life coach for men. And I really don't think that that does him very much justice at all. He's more of a more of a modern day superhero to me. And when you hear this show, you'll see why his skills, they're really wide and varied. But in the end, for men and women as well, he'll give you the permission that you need to put your hand up and ask for help. Because sometimes we know we should put our hand up and ask for help, but you don't do that. And we're all guilty of that especially when we know we should. And as you listen in, you'll see exactly how Greg helps men break through their barriers of the past and to go all in and to live the life that they deserve. Please help me in welcoming Greg Gillies. Well, good day, Greg. Welcome to the Go All In podcast, mate. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Well, this topic of men's health and clearing out all the crap from our past is really super, super important. I have to say, it's not something that I talk about a little bit, so I might, pre-warning for everybody, I might get a bit vulnerable here, but a better person on the other end of the line there to coach me through it than that, so that'll be a bit of fun. But before we get into that, Greg, I'd like to start off all of these shows, mate, with a quick little get-to-know-you quiz. It's a bit of fun. It's pretty random. In no particular order, just tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you the question. You ready, brother? I'm ready. (laughs) Do you look like a, a fit and active guy? Do you spend much time in the gym or out of the gym? Do you prefer training inside or outside? I actually enjoy my morning walks more than anything else now. Get out of my head, get into nature. Yeah. yeah. So that's less about fitness and more about a bit of like contemplation and serious meditation business, mate. Yeah, I used to train really hard. I was the CrossFit guy. I used to play top grade rugby and stuff. And I just got to a point where the punishment was not serving me. So now I try to look after myself. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, believe it or not, look at that. I I don't want to say that I pigeonholed you, but the very next question I've got here is, have you ever been caught up in the CrossFit culture? Yeah, mate. (laughs) My my ego was drawn. I missed the days of pulling on the rugby boots and butting heads with big, strong guys. And I saw CrossFit as a guest my next sport for me to really push myself. But all I did was just hurt myself. I screwed up my lower back and it just, it reflamed all the old rugby injuries, right? And uh, I couldn't put my ego in my back pocket. I used to push pretty hard. It was pretty competitive inside that box. I checked my ego in at the CrossFit 
door, actually, at the door of the gym. A, a little while back, must have been, I don't know, about, about 12 months ago, a mate of mine were working on a project together and we needed to do some filming. And I'd never really been into CrossFit or anything like that because just kind of do my own thing, a little bit like you, you know, I have a, a morning walk about 10 or 11 kilometers every couple of days, go to the gym every now and then. And just, I'm not training for anything. It's just kind of moving and being active and, and getting outside and just kind of training with my mates more than anything. Anyway, we went to this CrossFit gym and we were filming and there was a couple of times over a few days, there was a few classes going on and I was like, oh my God, I didn't know. I had no idea that it was happening behind the, the front door of this gym here and these yeah, people yeah. were just going for it. And I was, I looked at it and I thought, there's no way that my 40 year old body could go through that. I got a, that's a long work up period to put yourself through that. That's the problem, right? That's how I was first exposed to it. When we lived in Sydney, I actually took my kids to one of these indoor play centers, jungle gym things. And there was a CrossFit beside it and it was a Saturday morning and the doors were wide open. There's people in there just throwing barbells and stuff around. And I was drawn. I was like, what's going on in there? Look at these meatheads throwing these weights around. I go, I want to join in. <laughs> you see, your 20-year-old mind doesn't catch up to the 40-year-old body. It's like, no, nah, man, you're not doing that anymore. That, that, that part of your life is over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. Uh, vegan, or, vegan or paleo, mate? I would try to be more paleo. I'm definitely not vegan. Yeah, I'm a meat eater. I grew up in a small country town and back when we could have really clean farm kills straight off the farm. So, mate, I was growing up with three veg and meat. So, yeah, more paleo. Nothing better than a fresh bit of lamb straight off the uh, off the paddock, right? Yeah. Sorry for all the vegans listening, but <laughs> yeah. a couple of meat eaters, it is what it is, right? I have respect for the vegans, but my body suits having meat. So I listen to my body. I have respect for the people with the, the plant-based, not just vegan, but I mean it in a bad way either, by the way. I mean, in just a plant-based diet takes a lot of discipline and right. a lot of commitment to be able to cook something different frequently and to be able to not succumb to all of the things in our society like that. Of, In some ways, it's not that I don't like that lifestyle. I just don't have the discipline to actually not be able to not eat a delicious piece of steak or a snag. Yeah, exactly. Especially out of mornings on a Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, guilty pleasures. <laughs> Mate, do you prefer the uh, the beach or the bush here in Australia? I must admit, I love both. We live on the we live on the bush doorstep, but the beach is my haven. That's where, yeah. There's just something about it, right? And for the listeners that don't know, where are you from? Where are you from? So I currently live in the Gap in Brisbane, which mm-hmm. is a suburb that is surrounded by mountains. So we've got Mount Cutha, Mount Glorious, Mount Nebo. So when it comes to bush and mountain biking and walking tracks, we're pretty spoiled where we are. An hour north or an hour south, I'm at some of the best beaches in the world, right? The Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast. So we try and get up there as much as possible. Beautiful. I've been threatening to come up that part of the world for a little while and live, but I just haven't unpicked myself from Sydney quite yet, but yeah. it will happen sooner rather than later. Mate, have you ever been skydiving? Funnily enough, I've got a voucher to use for skydiving and I, <laughs> and I haven't done it yet. When we went to Bribey Island to do the jump, the, it, was too, it was too windy, it was rough weather and I just haven't got back. So knowing me, the voucher will probably expire just like my bungee jumping voucher expired when I was supposed to use that in Queenstown. New Zealand. Come on, man. Come on. We're going to strap you to that aeroplane and chuck you out of it. That's going to be fun. Maybe I'm not born to get jump out of the airplanes. 
<laughs> I, I just think, you know, I've got a couple of hundred jumps under my belt and, and I, I like to ask people that question, yeah, just to see if they're into it or not. And I'm always really surprised that people are like, nah, that's just not for me. And the people that I think would be into it, I just like, no. Nah. And I'm like, is there something wrong with me or is it just everybody else? I, I can't decide. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think if I did the first one, I'd probably have the itch and I'd want to do it more often. I do I do love a bit of an adrenaline rush. Yeah, nothing better than that, let me tell you. Really good. Tell me, mate, what was your uh, what was your first car? Mark One Escort. <laughs> Dude, that must have done some good donuts down on the paddock, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you get that thing going, I tell you. Very, very, very light rear wheel drive. Yeah. It got a got a good hammering. <laughs> good car, good car, nice, nice. Tell me, where's your favourite holiday destination in the world? I would have to say anywhere along the Queensland coast or, oh, or North. Yeah, we lived in Southeast Asia and we travelled all around Southeast Asia. And I'm from New Zealand. New Zealand's God's country, but we we love the beach. We also lived on the northern beaches in Sydney. So yeah. We just upgraded the caravan so that we can spend more weekends at the beach with the kids at the camping ground. So that's just, it's the best. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Last one. Serious podcasting question. Very serious answer required. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given, Greg? (laughs) What, that I listen to or not listen to? (laughs) Or maybe not listen to that I wish I should have. Damn it. Listen to Probably the best piece of advice is is the advice that I'm giving people now, and that is don't ignore your past. There is there is a lot to learn from your past. There is a lot of healing to be done from your past, and uh, it is actually the key and what I believe the answer to a lot of the problems that we face now is, is our past. So, yeah, that would be it. Beautifully said. That's going to go on a quote for this podcast. Don't ignore your past. Greg says so. Whatever you need. <laughs> <laughs> most, well, of mate, want, for sharing. most of us want to avoid the past we're just yeah. like about that, move on <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't ignore it is what you say and make sure you acknowledge it yeah see it for what it is and let's get into that all right man thank you for sharing that a little bit of fun to kick off the the show people will come on over to the go all in podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in so greg if you could mate could you please share with us your biggest go all in story or stories and the lessons that you learned from your commitment to success? Yeah, sure. So I'm a kind of go all in type personality. I'm an all or nothing when it comes to sports, business, you name it, which is why I injured myself doing CrossFit or I represented <laughs> my country in rugby and stuff like that. But the biggest all in story actually started three years ago after I had a bit of a breakdown and I didn't know what was wrong with me and I was drinking really heavily to numb the pain and the anxiety and the panic attacks that I was having. And it was through having that breakdown or that that hardest point that I had to put my hand up and surrender and ask for help. And I went on a pretty deep, lengthy self-healing and self-discovery journey. And when the veil lifted, And I started to look into my past and I started to become aware of why I'd hit a brick wall after achieving so much in my life. Then I went all in on myself and I thought I'd gone all in on myself in the past. I've done personal development. I've been in business. I've been placed overseas for corporates to build out countries like from the outside looking in did pretty well, pretty successful. 
but I never truly went all in on Greg Gillies. Like, who am I in here? Like, who am I internally as a man? What do I truly want to be? Everything I went all out, all in on was typically external. I want to be this. I want to make this. I want to be this guy. I want to be seen as this, which led me to probably feeling so unfulfilled and miserable and hitting a breaking point after achieving so much. So going all in on myself was the hardest and the best thing that I've ever had to do in my life. It's made me have to go on a pretty deep journey into my past and identify a lot of programming, belief systems, influences, patterns, suppressed emotions, and all of these things that most of us do. We're never, especially men, we're never really taught how to, I guess, deal with our feelings and emotions. It's just, especially if you're, well, growing up rugby country New Zealand, just have a beer, harden up, get on with it. (laughs) Stop being a pussy, if I can say that on camera. Yeah, yeah, it was an eye-opener. And I've gone all in to the point where I've changed my life so much in the last three years. I've actually found my purpose in life, and that is to help other men do exactly what I've done and release all of that negative influence, trauma, belief systems and programming from the past that is driving us nuts, that is keeping us stuck in our head and giving us the negative self-talk and the belief systems and the self-sabotage. So I just numbed it with alcohol and I was drinking pretty heavy and it was pretty shit and my wife was going to leave me and I wasn't being the role model and the father I wanted for my kids and I didn't want them to grow up to be like me and I was, I was just stuck. So my biggest all-in story is literally self-healing and self-discovery and find out the true me and starting to really connect and, and heal the inner me and stop avoiding it. Well, it's a, uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us and with the audience, Greg. I think it's, for, for me, it's actually a pretty confronting topic. It's something that I certainly, I'll put my hand up and there's probably a lot of people metaphorically putting their hand up as they're listening to this as well as men saying that I should probably do something about that and maybe learn to express myself a little bit better or address what's wrong or in just in hearing you say those things, I kind of think, well, yeah, that's kind of, I was doing that as well. I'm, yeah, I'm guilty of some of those things. Before we go down that rabbit hole and, and start talking about those things, I just wanted to just to pull on the thread of your story a little bit more. Can you remember the, the tipping point for you? What was it? You said that way too much booze, behaving like a pork chop, not being the man that you want to be, but not really knowing the man that you wanted to be. Do you remember that point? When Was it a particular day or did something happen to you to make you to slap you into kind of submission and make you wake up to yourself? What, do you remember what happened? Yeah, it did. So admittedly, I've been a big drinker all my life, right? Country culture, growing up in New Zealand, rugby culture and all that sort of stuff. But I was pretty social, happy guy, jovial, blah, blah, blah. In 2016, 15, 16, that Christmas, we came back from a two-year contract. So I've got a wife and three young kids. Come back from a two-year contract in Singapore. And we were in Sydney before we went to Singapore and we decided that we wanted to come to Brisbane where I guess it was a bit more conducive to family lifestyle and affordability and all that sort of stuff. So I came back here and it was my final get out of corporate and do my own thing. So underneath, I'm an entrepreneur. Corporate frustrated me. I towed the line, but you couldn't really express yourself and do the things you wanted, right? You're within a corporate, especially publicly listed companies that I work for. So I came back 
And I was like, you beauty, heaps of cash in the bank. We were set up here in Brisbane, time to start a business. There wasn't the financial pressures. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. I've been, I've <laughs> built businesses inside corporates for years, right? I just said, happy days. And it started well. And I got a lot of clients and I was consulting. It was digital media and consulting and really helping people transition into the new wave of digital and multi-channel and all that sort of stuff. What I wasn't ready for was the onslaught of emotions that I was about to face by being a solepreneur and having to take care of everything. I didn't have the team of salespeople. I didn't have the HR division. I didn't have the marketing division. I didn't have the big fat paycheck coming in every month that I could bugger off or I could turn up to work hungover. I just, it was me, my computer and building this business and mouths to feed, right? And all of those emotions and all of those things that had happened in the past where I've kind of just don't worry about it because life was a bit cushy, it was so confronting. And all of my demons started coming up and I didn't know how to kind of deal with it. And I was starting to get anxiety. And even if I picked up a new client, I just didn't feel worthy or I didn't feel like it was good enough. And I felt like my business was going to fail any day, even though it was growing. And I was literally self-sabotaging. My own self-talk was so shit and it wasn't real and it was just constant chatter in my head and I didn't know how to handle it. Did you so, talk to anyone? No. Of course not. No. Hell no. <laughs> I was too proud. <laughs> it's not that you're too proud. You're kind of trying to deal with it, right? And, and yeah, you, yeah, oh, yeah. I can deal with it sort of thing and it's very, very, very hard. I, I talk to a lot of people in transition on this show, the their go all in is about leaving corporate, starting their business and the transition of that. And you know what? If anybody's listening to this and they're going through that, you're not alone. And you're not the only person to have ever experienced what Greg's talking about here. And what, what did you do though once you started to identify that it was coming undone? I drank more. <laughs> oh, really? At work or after work? Oh, most nights just, yeah, to numb the pain. So... I'd been a binge drinker in the past, right? But it was always an excuse that I'm just like, yeah, sorry about that. I won't be like that. This time, I was drinking heavy. Um, I was trying to build a business. I had all this responsibility. I had to spin all the plates. I had the skills and the ability to do it, but I just didn't. I did not expect the emotional roller coaster that hit me like a ton of bricks. And my go-to when I'm having a rough day or I'm stressed out was just have a few beers. So I started drinking more and it started affecting my marriage and it started affecting me and my health and I wasn't training and I was probably 10 kilos heavier than I am now and it just got to a point where I my anxiety was turning into panic attacks so I I would wake up in the morning hungover drinking on my own home at night when the kids had gone to bed I get stuck into the wines It, it got bad it was pretty shit actually But I would never admit that because to the outside world, I had to put on this facade, right? I carried these masks. I'm a successful businessman. I'm not a lousy drunk behind closed doors. And then one night, I had far too much to drink. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was having a major panic attack. And I was literally fell on the floor on the side of my bed and I was in the fetal position. And all I could think was... I can't do this anymore and I was having suicidal thoughts and I thought to myself, my wife and my children will be so much better off without me because I don't know how to handle this. This, I didn't feel like me. I felt like the alcohol and the emotions and the anxiety and the panic attacks 
were controlling me. I just felt like I had these vices on me and I was just like, I, I just can't do this. But when I finally went back to bed and I woke up the next morning, I was bawling my eyes out to Tracy and I just said, I need help. I just said, I admit it. I've got a problem. There's something wrong. I need help. I can't keep doing this. It was just that night that just snapped me. Like I'd had some rough nights before, but you wake up in the morning, you dust it off and you go, I won't do that again. I was just a bit silly, but that one, that one hit home. That really, me not, not wanting to be here anymore and feeling like my family would be better off if I wasn't, Mm. that nailed me. So I put my hand up and the journey begun. And my wife introduced me to a friend of hers, husband, who's been going to AA for about 15 years and said, if you're serious, then that's your starting point. You've got to knock off the booze. And at the time I thought, yeah, if only I could knock off the booze, everything would be all right. So I started AA and I went along with him and he sponsored me and I did it for three months and I stopped drinking. And I was feeling amazing. But I started doing a few other things. So my wife is a, an advanced kinesiologist. So I started doing kinesiology, not just with her, but with her kinesiologist at the time. And I started doing some internal healing work and really starting to deal with deep survival issues and emotional issues and a lot of the trauma that we have so suppressed. And after three months, I was feeling amazing. But I also thought that I was healed. So I went and had a drink again. And then one turned to two, two turned to four. And then, but the thing is, Within a week, I realized what was happening and I went, stop. I knew I could stop drinking this time on my own without AA. So I carried on with the kinesiology and I started into a life coaching program, which goes really, really deep into your past and identifying where all of these emotions and all these feelings and all this anxiety and stuff is coming from. Where you were learning to be a life coach or someone was coaching with you? So I, I went into a year-long life coaching program for my own personal benefit. I had no intention on being a life coach. I was too broken to help someone else. Yeah. I was just like, I'm just trying to deal with my own shit. Yeah. Um, but it's through that process of the amount of work that I've done on myself is why I'm now a life coach for other men is because I realize, I realize what the cause of our self-sabotage and our self-belief and our self-worth and the chatter, I now know what causes it. So instead of the symptom and instead of going to the doctor and just saying, oh, yeah, just take these meds or just do this or do that, it's, it's good to eat clean and go and exercise and all that sort of stuff. But I went really, really, really deep into my unconscious mind and programming right from birth, right from childhood and tapping into series of events that we didn't even know or remember that it happened that created a belief or an emotion or anything in our brain that formed a neural pathway in our unconscious mind that now controls our conscious mind as a 40-year-old man and is making me do all this stupid shit and thinking bad and self-sabotage. What was it for you that was that you discovered, that you uncovered? So I uncovered a few things. I uncovered tons, right? Because um, you go right back... <laughs> It's not just one or two things. Oh, no, no, no. Never so is. The way, the way I kind of describe it now to kind of make it sense, we have big boulders, right? And for me, alcohol was a big boulder. And if you move that big boulder or if you get help to clear that big boulder, there's still going to be rocks behind it. And then if you can move those big rocks, there's still going to be pebbles. You're never going to get rid of all the pebbles. If you, if you literally have no problems in your life, you're dead. We've all got problems. We're human beings. We're faced with problems every day. Mm-hmm. But a lot of men, myself included, we are underneath these big boulders that we feel trapped. 
and we don't know why we keep sabotaging our own health, our own finances, our own relationships, ourselves, why the self-talk. Like, we want to create this amazing business, but our brain is telling us, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you can't do that. And it's just like, hang on. And we just got this internal dialogue and all this conflict going on, and it drives us nuts. And I believe that that is why anxiety and depression and mental health issues are so high is because all of the influence and all of the programming and all the belief systems from our past just keep on compounding and compounding. And then we make another mistake and we tell ourselves that we're stupid and it compounds. And then we do something else and it compounds. And then we might have a divorce and then we feel like we're unlovable and it compounds and it compounds and it compounds. And then we just go, I feel like shit, I'm miserable. doesn't matter how much money I make or how successful I am. I just feel unfulfilled. I feel unsatisfied. And it just starts to drive you nuts. Now, add on top of that, the world we live in now, where these things, throwing millions of bits of information and we've got influences coming left, right and center. So you add all the influence and the programming from our past and all the stuff that's hitting us now, it's just too much and people are just stuck in their heads and it's making them sick. Yeah, I see, I see it a lot and I, I hear it a lot. In my other business in digital marketing, I find when you get to work with a client closely and find out what they're doing in their business, you get a little bit of personal connection with them and understand how they use social media for themselves and that as well. I find that we're more connected than ever before and this is a generalization of course and it's just my anecdote. We're more connected than ever before, but people feel more lonely than ever before. And I don't know that it's about the loneliness so much. It's about the, the goddamn comparisons that we have because the world that you live in is a world of contrast. How, how can you ever know what you really want in life if you don't know what you don't want? And the, the negative experience that you have helps you to understand that you want to have a more positive experience. And I couldn't agree with you more that when you, when you hold up your mobile phone, you hold up your mobile phone like that and say that these things are coming at us thick and fast. There's information coming at you thick and fast and you don't realize in your subconscious mind that every time you look at a post or something, there's a comparison that's happening. And if you're feeling a little bit ordinary and then you're comparing yourself to people that don't seem to be feeling ordinary, that are living the life of, the dream, of their dreams on Instagram and they're living it through you vicariously, it's very, very confusing to a person that's not feeling so great. And even though I feel like I'm a, a fairly balanced and I feel like I've got my, got my shit together, to use your vernacular, I still see that and still think, oh, they're, they're doing all that or they're on that holiday or they're living this life. or I can't help but feel a little bit of envy or maybe even a little bit of bit of fu type envy uh, but you know that's kind of normal and i and i don't let it get to me type thing and i what i definitely don't ever do is i don't ever get involved in a stash online and i think so many people get behind their keyboard and they see something that's opinionated and they go ah, and they get in there and, and that kind of amplifies the feelings that they have and when you have the confusion of anxiety and, and depression and a bit of booze going on in the background that that is a just a recipe for disaster right yeah, 100%. And what you said before, Robert, is dead right. We are more connected than ever, but we actually are more disconnected than ever. Disconnected to ourselves, that's yeah, what it so is. Disconnected from ourselves. Yeah. Even if we don't want to judge and we don't want to compare, we can't help it is because we're disconnected from listening to our own intuition. Like so many people don't even love themselves. I just picked up another couple of clients this week and both of them are just like, I hate myself. 
I just don't know why, but if we're stuck in our heads and we're so connected digitally and we've got probably a billion bits of information more coming at us than we did 10 years ago Mm. and we can't navigate and we're in our heads and we're in our conscious mind and we're never in our body and we're never in our heart, that's where compassion and love comes from. This is why there's so much anxiety and mental health and depression. It's because we're stuck up here. And my wife is actually in my program as well. And we go really, really deep with our clients to get them to understand that we are multidimensional beings on an energetic level. Okay. Mm. So I'm happy to go into that. It can be a bit over people's head. But when we're stuck in our minds, it is fourth dimensional energy in our minds. And it's where all negative energy lies. So if we're not connected and we're not strong in our own being and self-love and we are not guided or listening or spending time with ourselves to listen to our own intuition, then all of that negative energy, it's just, there's too much. It's just too much. We're too much in our heads. What about for you and your journey? When did you start to have all of these? It sounds like on a journey of discovery of self-discovery like that, when you really focus in on yourself, you must have some epiphanies, you know, there's like, Oh, and you, and you break through and you break through. And once you start having those breakthroughs, you gather a bit of momentum. It's like anything in life, really. When, when did that start to happen for you? you? You've obviously, three months of being sober, got back on the horse a little bit, got back off the horse, sober again. Were, were you six months into this when it really started to, when life turned around and starts things, yes. things were better? So I haven't touched alcohol. The last drop of alcohol I had was on my 40th birthday, which was May 2017. So we're well over two years since I'm dry. So that enabled me to have the mental clarity to start making some good decisions. So when I was talking about big boulders, that was a big boulder for me, right? Because the amount of times I thought if I could just cut down and just have one or two beers, but I was being delusional. I was never going to have one or two beers. I was just like, those first two, yeah, that just got me started. I'm like, let's get stuck in. You know, I'm, I'm giggling on this side. I'm laughing on this side because you're just holding the mirror up to me. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly the same as you I didn't grow up in the country in New Zealand I grew up in the Australian Defence Force and this oh. is not a, a negative thing about the ADF it's just one of those workplaces that you're in a culture of what are you doing? Well, let's go and get on the cans and when I was in the Navy as a young bloke you travel around the world you, you know, you're on, a, you're on a warship for weeks at a time you come alongside you've got a pocket full of money because you've been on a ship there's nothing to spend money on on a ship and then yeah. you get import allowance when you go there. And what do, you, what do you think you do as soon as you get ashore? You go ashore and you've been cooped up in these little quarters with the same people for weeks at a time. I'm just going to go and let my hair down. And the way you let your hair down is by pissing up your paycheck against the wall. And yeah. I grew up in that culture. I was in the Navy when I was 17. I had my 18th birthday when I was in the, in the Royal Australian Navy. And you know, I traveled the world. I had, a, I had an incredible, incredible experience. You know? And I'm not saying anything bad about the Australian Defense Force in that light, but the culture of drinking in there, you can be part of that or you cannot be part of it. And you never ostracize for not being part of it. If you're into fitness and health, people don't care about that. It's like, well, we, that person doesn't really drink. But I was in that culture. And yeah. When I got out of the Navy and I was in the Army, the culture was exactly the same in the Army. If anything, in the Army, it was worse. And it's kind of, in the Navy, you put a uniform on and you go ashore and all the women are like, oh, sailors, sailors. In the Army, you put a uniform and you go out and get on the booze and everyone wants to get in a fight. It's like oh. the complete it's the complete opposite. They call them AJs, Army jerks, right? And, yeah. you know, I was, I was on both sides of those camps and people always say, you know, what's the difference? 
And that, that is the difference, you know. Sailors go out and party and get on the cans. Soldiers go out, party, get on the cans and get in a fight. And it's a really negative implication. And I know myself exactly what you're saying. There's just no way that I think that I can go and have one or two beers. Yeah. And like you, I, I gave up the booze and then on the booze, off the booze, on the booze, off the booze. And in the end, what I realized, it was I was hanging out with the wrong people. It was oh, yeah. the people. That's go a whole get new podcast right there. <laughs> go, go, and get, go and get new friends. Exactly. And it's like, what do you mean go and get new friends? They're my mates. They've been my mates for years. We go out and we go and watch the footy. We go and have a few beers and we have 10 beers and whatever, man. You know, we have 15 beers, whatever. You know, yeah. what's the problem? I've got to hang over the next day. I shouldn't be driving. I shouldn't be going to work. I shouldn't be doing all this. Reality is, like, as soon as I remove those people from my life, I stop drinking. Yeah. And it's the people that I was hanging around that were influencing me. But, you know, it's not their fault. They didn't hold a gun to my head and say, skull that beer. Yeah. It, it was me just being with my mates and, and I was just being with the wrong mates and kind of grow up and you grow out of that stuff, yeah? Yeah, for sure. And the word you said, culture, it's kind of like even growing up playing rugby and in a small country town, alcohol was the culture. Yes. Yeah. It's just like we'd have court sessions after a hard game of rugby where you drink yourself until you fall over on the floor. I think it's changing a little bit. Like it's not that whole binge drinking culture is not as accepted. I've got no qualms. My wife still drinks. We still go to parties. My mates still drink. But for me, all or nothing type dude, I had to stop. It had to be nothing. Yeah. Because the all always, everything shitty that's happened in my life, alcohol was related. Yeah, right. I can't think of an event where alcohol wasn't a part of something crap happening to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's massive, that's, massive sign. Just took me 25 years to wake up to it. <laughs> to realise. Yeah, yeah. I don't realize. care if the guys, some of my best memories are going out and partying and going to rugby and all that sort of stuff, my mate. So I don't knock people for drinking. But when drink controls you like it controlled me, it's a problem. So I going to AA, it was hard for me to say, I'm an alcoholic because I actually grew up being taught that an alcoholic was a bum on the street who's lost everything that needs to have a drink as soon as they wake up. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. I might, <laughs> I might get on it and drink real hard. And I had to create that realization in my head that an alcoholic is somebody who is controlled by alcohol. And I was controlled by alcohol. I didn't need to have it when I first got up, but it controlled my life. Mm. And, it, and it caused so much pain. I'm so lucky that my wife hung around long enough for me to come right. But anyway. <laughs> Greg, why do you think that people, let's be specific and say men, don't do much work on stuff like this? You know, I think you alluded to it a little bit at the start there when you said, great career, plenty of money, plenty of cash in the bank, family's good, kids are good, missus is good don't really want for much, looking to build something, which is kind of good. That's almost a stage of life, really, where yep. you kind of got your act together, you got your shit together. But why do you think people don't do any inner work on themselves? They think they do, but by what you're saying in, in your journey really holds a mirror up to me as well and shows me that I'm not really doing any inner work on myself at all. And I don't know, maybe because I feel like I'm living my purpose a little bit and I love to do what I do and, and I don't really want for anything else because I'm, I get to make a living doing what I absolutely love to do. So I'm, I feel like I found my purpose, at least for the, for the immediate time being. It might change in five years' time. I, I don't know. But it's not inner work on the things that you're describing and not something that's at the forefront of my mind. And I'm certainly 
maybe I'm generalizing, but the listeners out there probably be thinking, well, why would I do that? It's, I'm, I'm good. There's a few things in that. One of my coaches and mentors, she told me one day, and this sticks in my head, the bigger your purpose and the bigger your vision and the more you want to achieve in life, the deeper you are going to have to go into finding out who you truly are and clearing all your past shit away or else you're never, ever going to serve at that high level. So treat yourself like a skyscraper. If you want to build a 20-floor building, the basement needs to be that deep. But if you want to build the tallest building in the world, you need a massive basement. So you need to go real deep inside and clear away any negative beliefs or anything. And this gets into quite spiritual stuff, right? You cannot be enlightened and connected with your higher self whilst you carry other people's belief systems in your unconscious mind that is controlling your thought patterns. So the more clearing you do of belief systems and programming in your unconscious mind, the more you can release yourself away from other people's influence and beliefs, and you can start to truly listen to your own self, your own inner guidance. It's really powerful. And this is why I touched on before when we talk about energetic dimensions. So third dimensional energy is everything physical, our body, what we can see and touch, cars. Fourth dimensional energy is our thoughts and frequencies and where we're in our head. Fifth dimensional energy is the collective consciousness where we are all energetically connected. So if somebody says or does something and you're just like, oh my God, deja vu, I knew that was going to happen. You are energetically connected to them. If you want to serve at a real high level and you want to access your highest potential, you need to be able to reach those higher energetic dimensions. And to do that, you need to clear your basement. I've been reading a book recently uh, by a guy named Dr. Mark Spencer. It's called Ocean of Self. And he marks a, uh, a modern-day adventurer and, and he's kind of like a, a philosopher as well. He's a dentist, by the way. He's a dental surgeon, not a doctor of philosophy or anything like that. But he's been a, a modern-day adventurer and, and all sorts of scuba diving all around the world, thousands and thousands of hours, everything from cave diving to deep diving, wreck diving, all sorts of really cool stuff. And he uses the ocean as the metaphor for consciousness and says that imagine imagine the ocean is consciousness and maybe I'm paraphrasing here as well. So you've got to listen to his his book and, and read his book to know. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes, by the way, so you can check that out. He's sort of saying that every person is like a wave on that ocean. The, the, the peak of the wave is like that's you as the person and the peak is outside of the, the base of the ocean. And you're still all part of the collective consciousness, but you're still independent from it as well. But you, no matter what you do, you can never escape being part of the collective consciousness. And I love that analogy because we're all connected in some way, shape or form like that. I really, really like that a lot. Talking of belief systems, sorry, maybe you can unpick this a little bit for me. Let me give you something to to work with. And I'm going to be a little bit facetious here because it's kind of a bit funny. And I transfer this to my children and my children are like, dad, you're an idiot. You know, like your your kids think you're stupid and they're just these dad jokes, right? When I was in the Navy, I, I did my diving course when I was in the Navy. And, and you know, back in the day, I, I love scuba diving. And, and I, you know, being a Navy diver is a pretty cool thing. Not a clearance diver, by the way, just a, a ship's diver where you do the husbandry on a warship and um, you're responsible for doing a whole lot of different things. And it's a cool job because you get to walk around the warship and you're your swimmers while everybody else is working. And when you're in the tropics, you get to go in the water and you're dying for a swim because it's so hot and you get to go and do that. But there would be a saying... When, there's a saying that there's no such thing as can't, cold, or sharks. 
because they would say, Rob, get in the water. And you go, I can't get in the water. It's far too high to jump off the wharf. It's too cold in there. It's freezing. It's the middle of winter and the sharks. I just saw one. No such thing as can't cold sharks get in the water. And that, the first time somebody said that to me, I kind of was, I laughed, but it's, it's stayed with me since I was like 19 years old for the last 20 odd years or whatever it is, it stayed with me. And I say that to my children all the time, especially my 13 year old daughter, you know, there's no such thing as can't cold or sharks. And we've modified it slightly for the children that are learning to drive or too fast is what we add to it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> as I say, not as I do when you're learning to drive, don't speed. Anyway, it's been a, a belief, you know, it's funny and it's practical, but it, it's formed a layer in my belief system and it's become part of who I am and how I do things in the world because I really don't believe there is any such thing as can't. There's only a, I don't know how, and I can learn how. And I've always approached my life with that as well. You know, when in my army career, when it comes to jumping out of airplanes, that was scary stuff. And I can't do that. Most people can't do that. But actually, when you learn how, the motto of the Australian Parachute School is knowledge dispels fear. Then suddenly you go, you move from can't to now I know how to now I actually, hey, look, I've done this and I've done a couple of hundred of them. Wow, this is amazing. And, and you break through. And I've taken that all the way through my adult life and it's been really good. And it's helped me at a, at a certain level of consciousness as well. Can't, no such thing as can't cold sharks or too fast. Yeah. So that's brilliant. And what you're talking about is belief systems that you've created in your own life. So yep. these are the positive belief systems. So when I talk about belief systems, especially with my clients, the best way for me to explain it is a lot of our neural programming and our unconscious belief systems that were picked up from childhood were typically from our parents or from school teachers or those influences around us. But they picked it up from their parents and their parents and their parents, okay? So this is generational belief systems, which most of the belief systems that have been passed down that are affecting us now, they were created in the industrial age where there was depressions and wars and they created a school system to create factory workers. So we go through a schooling system where you're not allowed to fail. It's bad to fail. No wonder why everybody has got a fear of failure because we all went through the same school system. So we have to reprogram those belief systems. And some of those belief systems get ingrained in us when we're five years old, right? And then if there is a belief system that's come down through our generations around scarcity and fear because they lived through a Great Depression or war and all that sort of stuff, these are the deep underlying belief systems that if you're now, if you're now living your life with the belief system of wanting abundance, but you have a programming that you can't even remember that was instilled into you when you were seven years old that rich people are bad, rich people are greedy, money doesn't grow on trees. No, no, no. Unconsciously, you're like, I'm not worthy of wealth, but you're busting your butt to create wealth and you're wondering why it's not happening and you've got these internal conflicts going on in your own head. So we have got good belief systems and we've got negative belief systems. I help clients identify the belief systems that are causing the conflict against what they actually truly want in their life. And by releasing them, you just move forward. You just start, you start creating more of what you want. You start making more positive decisions. You start aligning yourself to other people that are operating in the same energy frequency, that sort of stuff. That's, that's why I say really deep. So we, 
I love it. I love it. If I could offer a comment, maybe you can and tell me what you think about this. Um, I used to think that I was, I, I can't remember what test it was. It was, it's like a personality test. It wasn't a disc or something like that. It was, it was one to work out whether you had an engineering mind or you had a, a heartfelt mind. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I was like, ah, I'm an engineer every day of the week. I'm a bloke. You know, it's, ah, that's, you know, I'm good at math. I'm good at all of those things. I, uh, turns out I go through the test and I was really embarrassed that I was like this emotional, touchy-feely guy. And the way the book was laid out, it was when you turn the page, it was really clever the way that they did it. The emotional people would read the left-hand page and the engineering minds would read the right-hand page. And as I read the book, I read the book through the emotional side, the way that it instructed me to, and it really kind of struck home what the message was. And then I went back and read it the other way and it was really dry and boring and I didn't really understand it. So it kind of amplified to me that I'm an emotional and a, and a feeling being, and we all are. And I, I sort of feel like what you just said there about wealth and wealth creation, the way that I would say that is, I would say you can't get rich feeling poor. <laughs> yeah, pretty you much. Know? It's the dichotomy of feelings. I can't, I can't want something in my mind and not feel it in my, in my heart. Why do you think so many people get inside, they can't get outside of their head and, and feel it in their, in their heart and in their, in their soul? So I actually, when I had some of those big aha moments that we were talking about before, I actually wrote a, um, an article posted on my LinkedIn page and it was, you don't know what you don't know. Hmm. Going through the healing process and the self-discovery, I learned more about myself that I didn't know in two years than my entire life. And I'll give you an example. So you asked me earlier about what were some of those big defining moments that changed your life. So I went to boarding school when I was 14 and I thought it was the best thing ever. And because I went to boarding school and I went to a big boys only school, King's High School, I made New Zealand age grade rugby teams. I was school prefect. I was head of the hostel. I did all these amazing things. But I didn't realize until I started doing this work a couple of years ago that that was one of the pinnacle traumatic events of my entire life. Because before I went to boarding school, and one of the reasons why I went to boarding school, me and my old man didn't get on. We fought. We used to fight real bad. Like we'd go head to head. We, we're both similar personalities. We're butt heads. And my mum got worried. She was just like, this is just, this is going to end badly. Mm. So when I went off to boarding school, my parents actually, I've got an older, I'm the middle of three boys, right? Older brother, younger brother. They actually moved from our country town at the same time to a new city for a new adventure and dropped me off at boarding school on the way. And I didn't realize until I did this deep clearing at the time. I created these belief systems that I was getting kicked out of the family, that I was unlovable, that I was unworthy, and that I wasn't wanted. So without realizing it, use that to bust my hump to go become a little achiever Mm. so that I could get the recognition from my dad. So I could hear my dad say, I'm proud of you, so that I could people please other people. And I didn't realize for the next 20 years, that's what I was doing. Mm. I was out there achieving for other people's approval of me and I was never achieving for what I truly wanted for myself and that's why I ended up so unfulfilled and so miserable even though I had a bank full of cash nice home investments traveled overseas and then you get to this point and you think to yourself I can't talk to anybody about this there must be something wrong with me how can I complain look at what I've got on Facebook I've got the perfect life Inside, I was broken. I was miserable. 
I hated the man I become. And behind closed doors, I was drinking it down. That's where I got to. And I'm not going to judge and say other guys have got this, but I'm now speaking to enough guys that it's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, I reckon on this side. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think men's mental health is not something that blokes talk about down the, down the pub, so to speak, right? It, but it's not something that's talked about. But I think intuitively we all know that we need to do more with it and to talk about it. And it strikes me just in a conversation here that we've been having for less than one hour, it's actually pretty easy to talk about it when you're talking to the right people, when there's no judgment, when there's no fear of judgment. And it feels really good to do that. I'm sure it feels good for you to tell your story as well because it feels really good for me to hear that story because it's kind of very vulnerable. And it's like you're, you're putting your hand up and saying, I was a shitbag. And you're, you're confronting that and you're owning it. And to me, that's like the most masculine mature thing that any guy could ever possibly do so please 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 if you're listening to this and you're thinking that you need help just go and speak to somebody and i would ask you greg if somebody was feeling that way and they're listening into this conversation who would be the right person other than you of course but if they couldn't access you for some reason whatever what would they sort of be looking for in help you know because talking to my missus about these things doesn't help me because she knows me, I need to talk to a third party. What sort of third party would you recommend? Yeah, so th- there's a lot of organisations out there, Mates for Mates, Beyond Blue and so forth. So there is, there is more opportunity than what men think to go and have a conversation, okay? If alcohol or drugs or an addiction is really getting you, you need to make the decision to get the specific help for that specific problem, okay? So I'm not AA. Like, AA serves its purpose, and mm-hmm. I had to go to AA as part of my healing journey. So there is a lot of channels out there, or trust in a mate that you know won't judge you because you will be so surprised how true your true friends are when you actually drop your guard and tell them what they already know. <laughs> they will be so receptive because they already know, because they know you well. Mm. But just have a convo with a mate, not at the pub, keep the booze out of it and just go, dude, I am struggling. The missus is about to leave me. I'm being an asshole. I'm being a twat. I can't, I don't know what to do. And they might just go, it's all good, mate. Let's find you some help. You just need to drop the facade, drop the mask and just go, I need some help. I've tried to do it on my own. I've busted my butt and it's not working. Now I need some help. And what about for the people that, you know, if, if I use my anecdote, maybe I'll be a bit vulnerable here for the first time ever on, on air. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I be a little bit vulnerable and say, hey, in, in my, life, my life, I live in a bubble is how I describe it. Yeah, I live, in, I live in a bubble here in Cronulla. I live the life that I absolutely love. I love meeting new people like you. I love doing these podcasts, these videos. So professionally satisfied in, in the way that I make a living it feels really fulfilled. And the reason it feels fulfilled is because I think the reason why it is, is because I'm living my purpose. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm the go all in guy and I get to help people amplify their message like you. And I help other people amplify their message as well, which is a really good thing because you're trying to make the world a better place, right? So that feels really good to do that. But I also feel like I'm not quite there. There's more to do. Like, how do I get a breakthrough when I feel like the bubble that I live in is pretty good, but I know things can always be better. Well, how do I get on the other side of it's good 
How, how do I get to good, better, best? That's one of the byproducts of the era that we live in. It's quite easy to be comfortable. <laughs> very, very. I live a comfortable life, right? Yeah. And it's easy to sit inside that comfort bubble. Now, I've got, I've got two types of clients, and, and I can't serve everybody. We only, we only look after a few people at a time. I have clients that come to me because they're at breaking point, but I have clients that come to me that have got a good life, but they want help to get to the next level. And the reason why I call myself a life coach and not a therapist, and the reason why I do what this and be vulnerable about my story and have my story on my website, I simply want to give men the permission that it's okay to put your hand up. You don't have to be broken. You don't have to have suicidal thoughts like I did. You don't have to be an alcoholic. I've got a client who is in Singapore and has just moved to the UK, extremely successful executive who's just taken on a higher leadership role in the UK. And we've done work around helping him access his higher self. So just getting rid of those limiting beliefs that haven't caused him trauma, but have kept him kind of here when he wants to be here. Mm. So yeah, just kind of look, look for the help that's appropriate to your situation. Beautifully said. And, and, there's, and there's a lot, there's so much more coming out. Like, the information around neuroscience and brain plasticity and if you follow Dr. Joe Dispenza and our thoughts and like our mind-body connection and spirituality and all that sort of stuff, if you start going on a deep dive into that world, you'll be surprised how much you can shift. But for me, I, I needed to move some big bold. I tried to meditate, useless. I was too over-energy in my head. I was stuck, too much negativity going on. But yeah, we've got access to some pretty awesome information if you're willing to go down that road. So I did 20 years plus of personal development. So I was going to the Tony Robbins courses. I was reading books and listening to tapes when tapes existed. I did all that sort of stuff, but I was frustrated because why am I not getting ahead? Why am I not like that guy? Why aren't I a multimillionaire? Mm-hmm. And, and what it came down to is I was piling more on top and I was not dealing with the underneath. I was not dealing with the unconscious program. I was just loading more on, which made me feel worse about myself when I didn't achieve something. So personal development has changed. Personal development has gone a lot deeper. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that as well. Really, really agree with that. Greg, tell us a little bit about your, your programs. Where can people find out more about you at your website, obviously, and just share that link with us? Yeah, sure. So it's just my name, greggillies.com. So my program is for men, but my wife is inside my program. So I've taken the best of what I've done over three years and condensed it into a three-month program, and it's mind-body. So my my wife, she is an absolute genius. But if I go there, it'll be another whole hour. (laughs) So I'm going to clear the blockages in your unconscious mind that is holding you back here. My wife clears the block of energy blocks in your glands and organs to enable your mind and body to be aligned so that you can actually access your higher self and you can start moving forward and making positive change on your own. So the best place to start is just going to greggillies.com. It'll share a bit of insight, my stories on there, and then you'll just go through the sales funnel and I've got a 20-minute video that explains a lot of what we've just spoken about. And then if you're interested, it all starts with just booking into my calendar and having a chat. Like I said, I've run a digital media business and I've got a family and all that sort of stuff. So I only take on a small amount of clients. This isn't my primary gig. I'm doing it because I've found my purpose inside of this work. So yeah, 
and link, LinkedIn is probably my number one social channel where I, I publish a lot of video and a lot of content on there because I am targeting more the business men who are similar to me. They're running a business, they're married, they've got kids, they've got, they've got all those pressures all bundled and I want to help them realize that they can be successful in every single area if they go inward. Go inward and clear your past and heal your internal self. Your business will thrive. Your marriage will thrive. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better role model. It all comes back to what's inside of us. Beautifully said. And if you're listening to this podcast, just have a peek at your phone and you'll see the links to Greg's website and to his LinkedIn right there as well. So no need to dig for any of those links. They're right there in the show notes to this podcast. And also, if you're just watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, just scroll down a little bit and you will see that in the description to this actual podcast as well. Greg, what's happening in the next 12 to 18 months, mate? Have you got some big things coming on the horizon? Are are there some programs coming or is it more of the same for you? Yeah, so... Tracy and I have some big vision around helping a lot of people and we can't do that one-to-one. So I'm looking to take all of my learnings from working with men over this year on a one-to-one basis to take the best of what they believe is inside my program into a group program and it will be some sort of three, four-day getaway weekend retreat where it will just be centered around men and we all have the same concerns and challenges and want to get ahead and and yeah, it'll be, it'll be a place where men can feel comfortable to come and do some healing and some growth. And it'll be, it'll be quite unique. So that is, that's on the horizon for next year. Well, when that uh, is ready to go and you're good to go, let me know and we'll bring you back here on the show and we'll do a little bit of a preview of that. And anybody that's listening, they can, they can connect with you and do that. But I'd, I'd love to, to know more about that and we'll do a little promo for you right here on the Goal In podcast because I think there's not too many things more important than this issue of men's mental health. Greg, thank you so much for coming on the Goal In podcast, mate, and sharing your insights with us and sharing your very, very vulnerable story. I don't think I was as vulnerable as I could be. I know that I need to definitely work on that. Maybe you can help me with that. I know a couple, one of my mates in the US, she said to me, Rob, you know, you, you put yourself out there as this Goal In guy, this big successful Aussie dude, you know, this ex-military guy. Uh, and she said, you've got to be more vulnerable. You connect with more people if you do that. And yep, I've heard you. I take it on board and I'm working on that. So I'm definitely a work in progress as well. Thanks again, Greg, for coming on the show, mate. You got any parting comments for us before we let you go? Just look after yourself. Start looking after yourself. Stop pushing yourself so hard. Don't punish yourself. Understand that life is a journey and just take some time to heal and and give yourself some quality time because when you look after yourself, you'll look after the people around you better. Beautifully said. And again, if you want to connect with Greg, just make sure you peek at your phone and all the links are right there for you. Thanks again for coming on, mate. We'll look forward to speaking with you soon. Bye for now. Cheers, Rob. Thanks, mate. Well, there you have it, folks. What an episode. And I look forward to doing some follow-up shows with Greg and sharing some specific strategies with you as well. Now, make sure you connect with him as well. Just take a peek at your phone, and you'll find all of the links to his website and his socials right there. And if you're watching this video, just scroll down, and you'll see in the show notes to this video description, his details will be there as well. As always, if you've got a suggestion, a question, or a comment for the show, 
please reach out to us via our socials. Don't forget to join us on the Go All In Facebook group as well. Just search for Go All In in Facey and you'll see it there. There's plenty of people going all in and working on all sorts of different cool stuff. So check it out over there. As always, you can send us an email at any time as well. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. Until next time, whatever you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy and go all in. I'll see you next time. I've been feeling so small. Watch the clock ticking off the wall. But tonight I'm letting it go. Spend my coin for show. I'm going to be myself or I could be someone else. No one stopping me now. I want
wanna take a trip to Mars. Nothing can break me, no, nothing can break me. 